Hi listeners, this is Cody from Unfortunate History. I'm here to give you a quick warning that the following episode contains disturbing details that are not suitable for younger audiences. If you are a younger listener, or if you're someone that doesn't do well with graphic details of murder, death, or other similar material, I invite you to listen to some of our other episodes that don't contain this warning. Otherwise, please continue listening, and as always, stay unfortunate. This is Unfortunate History. Hey everyone, this is Cody Pennington. And this is Sam Brown. And welcome to Unfortunate History. We're a podcast that covers interesting, wacky, and unfortunate moments in history. And on today's episode, we will be discussing a depraved, sadistic, revolting, and downright not very nice lady. No, we're not discussing my mother. We are discussing <laughs> Delphine Lalori. <laughs> what an opener. Your poor mother <laughs> listens to this. She doesn't listen. <laughs> And she won't now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Daphine LaLaurie was a New Orleans Creole socialite and serial killer who tortured and murdered African-American slaves in her household. Some of today's information will be unsettling, so I'd recommend that you put in headphones. Let me also say that from the outset that there are gruesome details we discuss at the end of this episode that may or may not be completely accurate. As with many things from history, some things become embellished, but either way, Delphine LaLaurie was an awful human being. We're an entertainment podcast, not a podcast to cite on your history doctoral dissertation. So just remember that. <laughs> now, as most listeners will know, our episodes generally involve me telling Greg or Sam a story that they usually never have heard of before, or at least a story which they don't know much of the details or the full details. But Sam, do you know anything about Delphine LaLaurie? As you, you asked such earlier, I, I don't, the name seems somewhat familiar, but I, I can't, I couldn't tell you anything about her. But as you said, sort of like Creole socialite, that kind of maybe, when you said the word Creole, I was like, oh, maybe I have heard of something something about her. Maybe. Couldn't, couldn't tell you anything. You tell me. <laughs> I'll do my best. <laughs> she is uh, definitely not incredibly well known like a lot of serial killers like Ted Bundy, that sort of thing. She was obviously from a time period. So we're talking like 1800s. It's a time period where serial killers were not very well documented. I mean, you have Jack the Ripper, and I suppose H.H. Holmes was around this time period as well, but they were a bit more documented. And I think people paid attention to men a bit more than women. Uh, Well, I'm probably actually completely wrong in this, because I believe there is a queen in uh, somewhere in Europe that killed like three or 400 people as a serial killer. So I, I don't know 100%. I might be wrong. But nonetheless, not many people know of Delphine LaLaurie. Whoever, whoever that queen was, like that, that would make for a good future episode. It will be a future episode, and one of my friends wants to be a guest on a part of it, so she hey, might hey. jump on it with us. So, Erica, if you're listening, you might be a guest on our podcast soon. So get ready. Just, um, just to confirm, she's not the killer, right? She's not the killer, but I think she's the great, 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 great granddaughter. No way. Oh, mm. that's awesome. Yeah. No, I don't think she is. I'm just joking. <laughs> you totally had me there. Damn it. the punkings of greg have extended to me now damn it that was good (laughs) no i'm sure she's not now before we start let me just say that i will be referring to delphine today as delphine because her last name changed multiple times before she became delphine lalori so using a single name for her will help me keep the information straight and simple i don't want to use the last name because obviously we'll refer to other people and it kind of changes throughout so we'll stick with delphine so you know that she is the main antagonist of this 
entire story. Got it. Now, a good starting point with this episode, I think, is to actually explain the Creole community, because that will help us set the stage a bit in the historical aspect of the episode. So before diving into Delphine, I'll tell you listeners what the term Creole actually refers to in our story. This will actually come into play in just a moment. So the term Creole can be used in a somewhat wide way. It can include a few different types of backgrounds, but in this case, in Delphine's case, it's specific to being of European heritage. Right. Now you see, Louisiana was originally colonized by France from 1699 until it was given up to Spain in 1762. I say given up, it was pretty much given up. I, I think they just handed it over. It was uh, probably all-out war looking to come, and they decided to just give it up, or it was just taken by Spain. But then it was reclaimed by France in 1800 by Napoleon, because Napoleon was like, uh-uh-uh, no, you know, short man complex type stuff. <laughs> with, a, with a massive amount of sass. Yeah, exactly. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. I say that, but it's actually false that Napoleon was short. He was not short. He was, I think, around 5'8", five, 5'9", five, maybe between 5'7", and 5'9". So he wasn't necessarily short. You've you mentioned that before as well, actually. Like, the people were like, yeah, he was tiny. And he was like, everyone was like, no, he was actually just incredibly average for the time. Yeah, exactly. Steady dropping knowledge over here, man. <laughs> now, three years after it was reclaimed by France in 1800... It was actually then sold to the United States for $15 million or around $350 million in today's currency in a transaction that was referred to as the Louisiana Purchase, which a lot of people may have heard of. Yes. Now, many people, like I said, have heard the term Louisiana Purchase before, but what a lot of people don't actually realize about this purchase is that it didn't just include the modern-day state of Louisiana. It was a purchase of the entire part of the U.S. that was referred to as the Louisiana Territory. And this territory included land from 15 modern-day states, which would go on to become a large chunk of the Midwest, as well as a portion of two Canadian provinces. So, the purchased territory stretched from the south of America all the way up to modern-day Canada. It was an incredibly huge purchase. So, technically, they bought, for $350 million, 15 states, and a bit of Canada. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah, it's crazy. However, after the Louisiana Purchase, you can imagine that the French and Spanish people who had already made Louisiana the state, their home, would be unlikely to move. Thus, the term Creole began being used to describe someone of either French or Spanish ancestry that had moved to Louisiana prior to the Louisiana Purchase. You'll notice that a lot of Louisiana people, at least in films and television shows, speak French. And this is because of the Creole people's ties to France. So there you go. That is where the Creole community comes from. Roger that. Yes, that, that I did know, actually, just from some ethnomusicological ethnomusicology background stuff. That's fine. Oh, that's good. Well, fuck you, Sam. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you for not being able to say that word, Sam. (laughs) Well, Delphine was actually born during the Spanish colonial period of Louisiana on March 19th, 1787. See, now you listeners know what Spanish colonial period of Louisiana means. Don't say I didn't do anything for you. Now, prior to Delphine's birth, her parents, Louis and Marie Jean, had moved to Louisiana from Ireland during the French colonial period of Louisiana. See, now you listeners know what French colonial period of Louisiana means. Don't say I didn't do anything for you. Still still dropping knowledge bombs. Still dropping knowledge bombs. Now, Louis and Marie Jean were very prominent members of the European Creole community in Louisiana. 
And I'm not exactly sure how they were able to do this. I couldn't really find any information from history that showed them doing much more than just being related to other prominent community members. Most notably, uh, Delphine's uncle was at one point the governor of the Spanish provinces of Louisiana, and her nephew was at one point the mayor of New Orleans. What it seems like is the family knew some prominent members of the community or they were somewhat related to them, and they used that as the way to kind of ingratiate themselves into the socialite community. Ingratiate, by the way. Great use of the word ingratiate. Thanks, man. Yeah, it <laughs> sounds like they were kind of just waiting for their time to just get into that upper class. Aren't we all? <laughs> yeah, aren't we all? I'm waiting in the rafters right now. I'm just, I'm just ready to sprint in <laughs> during the coronavirus. God. Bezos, please! (laughs) Well, Delphine would soon grow to her own level of prominence quite quickly after she began to marry. And I say began to because she did it three times, which today isn't terribly odd. Ross from Friends had three, I believe. (laughs) (laughs) Three divorces, three divorces. (laughs) But in those days, people would likely have started to wonder What the hell is happening to all of your husbands, Delphine? And honestly, after all this research that I've done for this episode, I'm actually beginning to wonder the same thing. Oh. And you'll see why. (laughs) Either way, Delphine married her first husband in 1804. And Delphine would have been around 13 at this point. Now, this sort of thing always makes me feel a bit sick. 13 years old is so damn young. And even if you claim that it was normal for the time period, everybody was doing it. If you were 13, you were probably already pregnant. That still means that men at this time were attracted to 13-year-olds. Yeah. Have you ever looked? Not obviously have you looked. (laughs) (laughs) Sam, sorry, Cuddy, are you asking me if I've ever had oddly pedophilic thoughts about 13-year-old girls? No, but I know, I know, I know what you mean. Like it's like it's very uh, some Jerry Lee Lewis shit going on there. Um, it's odd, yeah. right? Yeah, it's just very odd because it still means that they looked at thirteen-year-old girls and thought, "I will marry her," and that just most are barely pubescent by that point, and yet, uh, yeah, it's yeah, you're right. It's it's, it's weird. odd and it's gross. Just yes. In, in, it's very, I mean, very odd and gross. As men, we're, we're maybe a little bit less gross than we used to be, but I mean, come on, old old us. Yeah, I know. <laughs> We've come ever so slightly forward. <laughs> ever, so, <laughs> ever so slightly. And, and, and still we have pedophiles. It's disgusting. Ugh, the internet and Instagram made that easy. Not that we're smack talking about Instagram, officially. <laughs> I'm going to try to not post anymore, so fuck them, I don't care. <laughs> fuck Facebook and its sister companies. I don't care anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this first husband, Don Ramon, was a high-ranking Spanish royal officer. After the Louisiana Purchase, Don Ramon was chosen as the Spanish representative in New Orleans, and he was soon called upon to appear at the court of Spain, so he had to leave and go to Spain with his family. He decided to take his wife with him, but while en route to Madrid, quote-unquote, something happened. (laughs) And Don Ramon died. And I don't know what happened. I couldn't find any information on his death or what happened. However, it's worth mentioning that his creepy, soon-to-be killer teenage wife had accompanied him on this journey. So draw from that what you will. Um, The initial thing I took is how great a name Don Ramon is. (laughs) I don't know if Don is actually part of the name or not. 
Oh, right. Whether it's like a title, like The Don. Yeah, it might have been a title, like a Spanish title. I'm not 100% sure, but Don Ramon is pretty pretty ballsy. Actually, he had a way longer name than that. And if you give me a second, I will tell you now. <laughs> it was, oh, God. I'm going to fuck this up. Don Ramon de Lopez <laughs> y Angulio. <laughs> wow, that is a good name. There's more to that. There's more to that. It's Go for it. Don Ramon de Lopez y Angulo a Cabero de la Royal de la Carlos. <laughs> no wonder she probably topped him. Number one, he's obviously a pedo. And number two, she could, like, imagine trying to say that name for the rest of your life. Here's my husband. I feel like you just lose so much money in, in envelopes. <laughs> How do you fit that on? <laughs> and you're losing life every time you say it. Like, oh, that's another... 15 seconds i'm never gonna get back <laughs> you know i'm taking this guy out now who's, I love that. who's your husband oh you're next <laughs> the dawn you fuckers the dodge <laughs> <laughs> now four years after the death of her first husband delphine then married a man by the name of john blanc she was 21 years old at this time which i would consider a much better age for marriage when compared to 13 but blanc actually wore quite a few hats he was said to have been a banker, lawyer, merchant, and even a politician at one point. In other words, Blanc was also in a very high station, like her previous husband. There seems to be a pattern here. There does. The, the only thing I was going to say, this is going to be ridiculous as well, but when you said he wore many hats, I, I literally envisaged him wearing all of those hats simultaneously. I think he did. Like a, scr like a Scrubs <laughs> cutscene. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think he did. I mean... I don't know what a banker's hat would look like. Money. <laughs> money. It's just a bunch of money on his head. <laughs> it's just like a bowler hat made of money, but now I'm just thinking of like a wad of cash, elastic band. <laughs> just strapped to his head. Oh, he must be a banker. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at his fancy hat. <laughs> it's so fancy. Why is it so fancy? <laughs> oh, he must look after money. So much so that he's got it elastic to his head. I yeah. love that. Well, Delphine would actually go on to have four children with Blanc. And she was incredibly creative with naming them. She had three girls. Mary Louise, Mary Louise, and Louise Mary. <laughs> no <way. laughs> Is that true? That's very true, yeah. I should also point out that she also gave them, uh, all of them, third middle names. So the first was Mary Louise Pauline, Mary Louise Jean, and Mary Louise Lore. But she's still, or Louise Mary Lore, but obviously she didn't really try hard with the uh, first names, but presumably presumably, she was naming the three girls after her parents. I love that. I was going to say, she got so sick of saying her husband's first name. She's like, I'm just going to give the kids. Like her first husband's, first husband's whole name. She was like, I'm just going to give my kids all the same name. Yeah. <laughs> she's this, so is she, and she's a bit like that. <laughs> I can imagine it'd be very confusing in their household. But yeah. Delphine also had a son with Blanc that was named Jean-Pierre Paulin, Paulin? Jean-Pierre Paulin Blanc, presumably named after his father, which makes it a lot more simple. Guys had the easy roads, but even back then. Now, something interesting I found out about Blanc is that he was apparently a very private man, but some information surfaced about him that show he participated in the transfer of no less than 335 slaves. This is insanely odd because Blanc and Delphine were never said to have owned a plantation together. And even still, the plantations near New Orleans were not large enough to ever require that large of a slave workforce. Right. So it's very odd. And he was never known to have been a slave trader. 
He never – the jobs that I mentioned previously, the banker, lawyer, merchant, politician, that all was a certain thing. Merchant, I mean, you can might argue is slave trading, but it's not at this point. It was never found that he was actually an open slave trader. Right. And even still, the home that the two had was nowhere near large enough to require that many slaves. Nowhere near. So this brings up questions like where did he get these slaves and for what purpose? A prominent businessman and high-ranking member of the community seems to have – made a large chunk of his fortune from the slave trade, but he kept it a secret. So why? It's very interesting. But we would, Shady shit. Shady shit. But we would never know why, because eight years after their marriage, Jean Blanc died as well. And I couldn't find any record of his death online. It's just noted that he died, and he left Delphine with five young children and actually a massive amount of debt. Ah. Bummer. That's a shit which I can imagine, if if we're looking at it in a certain light, saying that maybe she is offing her husbands. Maybe she is marrying these prominent men and offing them and taking the money. Maybe she saw that he was getting a bit too terrible with his money management skills and was creating debt and decided to take him out. Maybe. Right. Don't know. We don't know. Now, over the course of the next 10 years, Delphine worked her way out of that debt to a wealthy status. There's not many details of how she did this. We do know that Delphine eventually received an inheritance from her father and that she made some very shrewd business dealings, but we don't know what these business dealings are. Had Delphine possibly picked up where her previous husband, Jean Blanc, had left off with the slave trade? We don't know. Either way, she was a very wealthy woman in her own right when she met her third and final husband, Louis LaLaurie. I love the alliteration. Oh, I know, right? It's like a Stan Lee comic book. Yeah. <laughs> now, LaLaurie was a 21-year-old medical school graduate who had made his way to New Orleans. Once he arrived, he put out an ad in a local paper saying that he would specialize in the, <laughs> in the quote, straightening of crooked backs. Uh, I suppose everyone in this time period had pretty screwed up backs and this service was in high demand. I guess. Um, and, and the fact that he just went out of medical school and then just to start his medical career, just put out an ad in the paper and people just flocked to him. I'm going to fix your back. Yeah. <laughs> just come to me. If you got a fucked up back, don't worry about it. I'll help you get a husband. We'll just knock that thing back into place. <laughs> Sounds like he was the he was one of the first chiropractors, this fucker. Right. And they are, well, they used to be hucksters. Right. They're, they're all right now, but they used to be hucksters. They're still not widely accepted into the medical community, but, you know. Really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Chiropractors are known. I mean, some of the stuff, some of the uh, adjustments they do are known to be somewhat unsafe. And if they're not done by someone who's properly trained, you can cause very severe damage. Um, there are horror stories about stuff like that. Eesh, not the one. Now, some stories say that Delphine saw this ad that LaLaurie had taken out, and she took one of her children to him for treatment. So apparently she had a child with a messed up back. Don't know. Maybe she, maybe she was having her carry too much stuff. I don't know. <laughs> now, after meeting, the two began to communicate regularly, and they eventually developed a sexual relationship. And Delphine, at this point, was actually 40 years old, so nearly twice the age of LaLaurie. She, she flipped it on him. <laughs> go, go. Get some. Yeah, fucking get your rocks off, girl. That's that's great. I'm, I'm happy for you. You just don't kill. Just don't kill slaves. <laughs> yeah. Now, during their relationship, Delphine decided to purchase a large two-story mansion on Royal Street in New Orleans, and this mansion would be the place of torture and death for many of Delphine's slaves. 
allegedly. <laughs> mm. Now, soon after this mansion was built, Delphine and LaLaurie began having marital issues that saw them separated for a while. However, this changed frequently as the two seemed to make up and break up quite frequently. It's toxic relationship, it seemed like. Uh, perhaps it had something to do with Delphine's treatment of her slaves. Maybe. Don't know. Which, at this point in time, it was actually beginning to draw attention, especially around from the public in New Orleans. In all moments in public and in front of guests... Delphine was said to have been a very gracious person to her slaves. I suppose so far as someone could be with people that they literally owned and controlled. But, you know, she was said to actually give the slaves cups of wine while she ate at dinner parties, telling them that it would, you know, quote, be good for them. And it was not just cups of wine. It was wine that she hadn't finished. So she would give them a half-finished cup of wine and say, oh, this would be good for you. So she gave them backwash. Yeah, exactly. And then probably afterwards, uh, after everyone left, you'd gone, you're drunk on the job? Bam, and then like... Oh, yeah. You, you, you actually yeah. took that wine, excuse me, and then just beat him to death with a frying pan. Jesus. However, even with this supposed outwardly kindness, Delphine's slaves were said to have looked very pale and haggard. They were malnourished and gaunt, Rumors would spread throughout the local area of New Orleans of the look of her slaves and the possible cruelties that Delphine was committing upon them. And this actually led to a lawyer being sent to Delphine's mansion to remind her of the law surrounding the treatment and keeping of slaves. Now here is where I get upset and confused. The people of the city were actually so worried, worried enough about these slaves to send a lawyer around to Delphine's house, but they were still okay with these people being slaves. It's messed up that isn't it? they still saw these people as property they literally saw these people as animals this is what you would expect from neighbors noticing the abuse of a pet mm. it, it's it's crazy the amount of cognitive dissonance these people actually experienced because they, they were upset about the abuse not upset about the slavery it just it's unbelievable how separated they were and how much they did not value these these people as people it's it's mad like the conventions that like you become comfortable with if you know what i mean mm. like if you, if we were back then like we if you grew up with it and you but that's that's the weirdness in it isn't it it's if you kind of grew up with it you might that that would probably just be your normal as dreadful as that is in a lot of ways and that you you know like the thought of us doing that today is like that's that's insane it's absolutely back then insane. it was probably like it, it, it back then that actually may have been seen as somewhat virtuous as crazy as that is as well it's like mm. they wanted to show the kindness to these people but they obviously knew well you're obviously nowhere but near not my too level much. yeah yeah yes. you're still not too much. <laughs> you're not you're not the level that i am but you, you're you deserve to not be beaten to death and malnourished but you don't deserve to be free it's just an insane ideology Thank you for saving my life. You're welcome. Now go and tidy my room, clean my shoes, you know, make my dinner sort of thing. It's insane to me. But either way, the lawyer that visited Delphine explained the loss to her and did a quick inspection of the home. But he found no evidence of any wrongdoing, and he noted in his report that Delphine was actually a very nice woman. She apparently did not seem the kind of person to inflict any direct harm upon anyone, which would prove to be absolutely false. Right. Now, soon after this visit, one of Delphine's slave girls uh, was called upon to brush her hair. This girl was named Leah, I believe. Um, as the young girl was brushing her hair, she hit a snag. This sent Delphine into an incredible rage where she grabbed a whip and chased the young girl to the top of her mansion. And then a neighbor 
witnessed this event and saw as the frightened child climbed away from Delphine trying to escape her whipping. The neighbor then saw the child plummet to her death in the mansion grounds below. The same night, the young girl's body was thrown into a shallow grave dug right on the mansion grounds with no care for the fact that it was actually in plain view of the public. And it was found that she was actually 12 years old. Some accounts state that the grave wasn't even dug. Some accounts state that she was just tossed into the well on the property. I don't know if that's true or not. Wow. Either way. Yeah, either way. Still pretty sad. It is awful, yeah. Especially a uh, 12-year-old girl just being chased until she falls off off a building. It's insane, man. The amount of fear that that can cause. Yeah. Now, this incident led to another inquiry into Delphine's treatment of her slaves. An investigation found that Delphine was guilty of illegal cruelty, and she was then forced to give up nine of her slaves. And maybe these nine would then go on to find freedom. Or possibly not, because they were then sold at auction and purchased by one of Delphine's family members, then quickly transported back to Delphine's mansion on Royal Street and just put right back to work. That's mad. So, she... So she, so she was forced to give up the slaves, and then she just got one of her family members to buy them back. Yeah, she gave them the money to buy them back, and then they just brought them right back to her mansion. That's mad. There's, there's got to be like a weird cruelty in that, hasn't there? Being like, you're the ones I want. You know, like I, I know that you like the things I like, but remember, you know what I like. What happens when uh, you you don't do the things I like? Yeah, and that's, that's, yeah. you know that when they returned, she just beat the ever-loving hell out of yeah. them and and just yeah. it, I mean, you can only imagine that they were either killed or just severely beaten which we'll get into in a moment some of the uh, severeness that can come from her beatings and her uh, just her cruelty yeah now these are not the only documented moments of abuse and death amongst Delphine's slaves under her care a total of 12 slaves died in a four-year span Yeesh. But the interesting part of that is, among these 12 was a woman named Bon and her four children. Oh. Juliet, aged 13, Florence, aged 10, Jules, aged 6, and Leontine, aged 2. Oh, my goodness. And we know nothing of these deaths, except that Bon was previously described as a chronic runaway, quote-unquote, before being purchased by Delphine. Now, it seems... Really, really odd that an entire family would just die randomly under the care of Delphine in a four-year period. That is suspect, to say the least. Yeah, and horrendous in the ages of those kids. Ugh. Oh, I can only... I mean, God, man, when you're thinking a two-year-old. Oh, God. How did a two-year-old just randomly die? You know, they have to be taken care of. So either she was left, or uh, I think Leontine, I think it was a boy, maybe. Either they were left just to starve to death, or something happened to them. It it had to have, something had to have happened. There's no, there's no way that that whole family just died. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah. Now, all of this makes you wonder what sort of things were really hidden inside Delphine's mansion. And I'm sure it made the people of New Orleans wonder the same thing but they were about to see some of these gruesome sights firsthand. Soon after the lawyer's inspection of Delphine's home and the removal and subsequent return of Delphine's nine slaves, a fire broke out in the kitchen of Delphine's mansion. This fire grew quickly and was found to actually have been started by the cook herself, a 70-year-old woman. The cook, however, had not planned to burn down the house. 
she had only wanted to actually kill herself. Because Delphine had actually taken to chaining her cook, this 70-year-old woman, to the stove. Actually, I think it's described as she chained her to the stove indefinitely. So that's where this woman lived. This seven-year-old woman was just chained to this stove forever. Jesus. And finally, she had had enough. However, the cook actually miraculously survived the fire. But the fire did more than bring attention to the mistreatment of the cook. Other things were uncovered. As the fire began raging, citizens of New Orleans began running to the home to help. In those times, I guess everyone assisted with everything in some way. Like, if there was a fire, you can expect your neighbors to run over and help you out. Not like it is today. Now, many of the men were running into the home to help free anyone inside who might be harmed. And this actually included slaves. It wasn't just the white people inside. They were going inside to help and release all of the slaves. They found a number of slaves and assisted them outside. However, Delphine and Louise, uh, Louise who had moved back into the home at this point, were both instructing people to do differently. The two were instead instructing people to carry out their valuables, their priceless paintings, their expensive furniture all the while completely ignoring the fact that their home was full of locked doors, some of which contained trapped slaves. Now, most of the men assisting in the fire just completely ignored Delphine and LaLaurie's pleas to help save their valuables, and instead they went searching for further slaves trapped in the home. They were told of a specific slave's quarters in the home that contained slaves that would not be able to escape without assistance. Somebody had told them, I assume it was a slave inside the house had told them of this room, Now, it's debated whether the slave quarters was in the attic or towards the bottom of the house near the kitchen. Either way, the men found this room, and it was locked. They then asked Delphine and Louise for the key, to which the two denied. Actually, Louise was very snarky about it, and he said something along the lines of, you should mind your own business if you know what's good for you, and just go help us save our home, basically. So, uh, telling them to forget about this locked door. Uh... What's what's in what's behind the door? It's like that. What's in the box? Moment yeah, yeah. from uh, what's seven. What's in the box? <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Well, instead of arguing with the couple, the men just broke the door down. They were then greeted with a sight that would haunt them until their deaths. And be warned of the graphic nature of the next bit of information. It is claimed that the men found more or less seven slaves in this room in some of the worst conditions known to man. One woman, a very elderly and frail woman, was said to have had a giant gash on her head that made it impossible for her to walk. Most of the slaves were actually shackled, some of which were said to have spiked collars on their necks that forced their heads to stay in a static position, and if they didn't, then it would obviously pierce their necks. Some of the slaves were suspended in the air from their shackles with severe wounds to their backs, and near them was a supposedly a platform where Delphine would stand to increase the effectiveness of her strikes with her whips. The men found worse further inside the room. One slave woman was said to have had her mouth pried open, feces stuffed inside of her mouth, and it had been sewn shut. Oh my God. And she was likely dead. Another woman they found had had her stomach cut open, and her intestines had been wrapped around her body. She was obviously likely dead as well. Another woman was said to have had a number of her bones broken, but then set in unnatural positions 
presumably by the medically trained Louis LaLaurie, and her limbs were said to have healed in a way that would have had her crawling like a human crab along the floor. Jesus Christ. She was also likely dead. Finally, a man was found with open wounds and sores covering the majority of his body. The wounds were infested with worms and maggots, and this man also had a hole in his head. Different accounts state that there was also a blood-covered spoon or stick sitting near the hole in his head, and some accounts state that the spoon was actually protruding from the hole in his head. And the spoon was said to have been used to stir the men's brains. Oh, my God. As you can imagine, this man was also likely dead. I mean, people can't see my face, but I can guarantee it's probably like yours if you're listening. Just kind of draw aghast, eyes closed, clenching in a lot as well. That is, that's like a scene from like a really messed up horror film. Yeah, like Uh, some kind of like, like a, like a spoof horror film almost. Like those human centipede movies where they're like just grotesque to be grotesque, but it's like, you know. I have no intent on ever watching that film, but the thing. Nor I. Yeah, <laughs> um, but the bit with the, the, the sewn mouth shut with feces, Jesus Christ, that's like, there's like a psychotic level of cruelty to that, isn't there? That is it's disgusting. Um, well, it's. It, I think the thing that got me was the stirring of his brains with yeah, a spoon. That, just makes me, and the feces thing, that, that just turns my stomach quite a bit. Um, so I'm sorry to you listeners that are vomiting right now. I did put a warning at the beginning of this episode, so it's kind of your fault. So... <laughs> I don't want to receive any angry emails. As long as none of us make like the retching noise that always sets people off. You know? Oh God, <laughs> no! Oh no! People do like <laughs> after these gruesome discoveries, the people of New Orleans were, to say the least, not happy, and they retaliated by destroying the Lalori home and everything inside it. You know, you hope that she she got killed by the mob that destroyed her home and, uh, and destroyed all of her possessions, right? But you would hope that. But they didn't. <sighs> During the chaos of the destruction of her home, Delphine and her children were actually able to escape the building by using a coachman at the back of their home. Ugh. And Delphine then went on the run. I mean, like, don't get me wrong, I'm all for her children escaping, but she can she can do one. Yeah, actually, I, I didn't mention this, but her children were actually severely beaten by Delphine when they tried to feed the slaves that were being malnourished. So the children mm. were actually supposedly a bit more caring than the mother. Yeah. Supposedly. Yeah. Now, following the destruction of the Lalori home, some of the slaves were actually taken to a local jail where they were available for public viewing. And a local newspaper reported that up to about 4,000 people had attended to view the enslaved people quote, to convince themselves of their suffering. And this boggles my fucking mind that they wanted to go to the jail to view how these men and women and children, presumably, were suffering. They saved them from this woman and put them in prison, put them in jail. It's it's mad, isn't it? It's like, it must be... uh, it's like obviously a severe absence of Netflix, and for anyone who's got a really <laughs> weird like obsession with like horror films or something. But I don't know if that is that just like I know what you mean. Like, is it like a cognitive dissonance in like, um, like oh, didn't you hear that she treated the slaves awfully? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're so glad they're free. Want to go see how badly they were treated? Yeah, sure. 
Yeah, know, let's go do it. Yeah. Like, it's yeah, a morbid yeah. curiosity, isn't it? Yes, that's exactly the right term, yeah. I think that's the uh that's the that seems to be the driving factor of anything in terms of gruesome horror films and that sort of thing. I mean, obviously nobody wants to see people sewn together in a human centipede where they <laughs> defecate in each other's mouths. Nobody wants to see that. But when someone makes a movie about it, you're like Huh. I gotta see that. <laughs> yeah, it's like nobody I'm thinks. Not. Oh, I can't wait to see this happening. Yeah, woohoo! <laughs> Unless they're like insane, obviously. But yeah, <laughs> when it's when it's put out there for you to view, you want to see it to just satisfy this weird itch inside of you. It's like the person who made the film. It's like no one asked for for me to create a film where I was going to tie a load of well, stitch a load of people's mouths and buttholes together. But I'm going to make a film, and a load of you are going to watch it. Yeah. Spoiler alert for who, anyone who hasn't seen Human Centipede. Uh, I don't know if the name gives it away, or <laughs> I, uh, I mean, I, I hope at some point that people had like a rough idea of what was going on. If you, uh, this is as someone who hasn't seen the film but just seen the trailers, and I feel the trailers give a fair bit away. But if you yeah. didn't. I'm unapologetic, and you shouldn't go and watch The Human Centipede, you weirdo. In fact, South Park did a very good uh, um, episode on it where they did the Human Sentai pad. Did you see that one? Oh, yes. Oh, God, I've not seen that one. In a- I couldn't even tell you anything about it now. But Well, it was a, it was an iPad that was, that was ran by three people sewn together, and that created the energy for the iPad to run. <laughs> Human so, Sentai pad. Oh, it's ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely awful. Don't understand it. I don't understand the morbid curiosity between this. It just blows my mind that people can uh, can feel this way about something. It's 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 a bit weird. Um, but yeah. obviously, you're gonna want to see it. It's the same reason why people want to see like actual mummies in museums. Mm. Yeah, you know what I mean. You you you'll go and see. You'll see a mummy that's full on mummified, and that's probably doesn't have its wrappings, and it's just in a glass case in a museum. And you think that's a real person right there. That's yeah. That's real from you know something bc and it's 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 real it's a dead thing in front of me and it's just curious to me it's it's interesting to see that i know what you mean like this but there's like a, such a big difference for instance between seeing like a like a dead body in like a film um mm. or in or like in a photo and then you see i i mean i i've never something i've i've never experienced like death in real life yet but like from the, some people I have known who have seen like someone die, of like watched someone die, even if it was like an old age or something, they said like it's a, uh, like a, I, they said it's just a very like sobering experience. It's like oh, oh of course shit, that that's exactly how it, you know, this yeah. is what it feels like. I guarantee most of these people left like that jail thing, being like, hey, let's go see that. Let's let's go see like like in what state they were. But I guarantee what when they left, they were probably like. You know, like probably left very sobering. One yeah, absolutely. Hoped. I can see that. Yeah, I can definitely see them going in thinking, "Oh, well, we can go see them," and then it just affecting them in a way. And you'd hope yeah. that things like that, seeing that sort of thing and having it affect you, would bring on the change of of you know um, abolishing slavery and that sort of thing. You hope that that's where it came from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right on. Yeah. Now. Meanwhile, while the slaves were being shown to the people of New Orleans, Delphine and her family successfully made their way out of New Orleans and to Paris, France. A few years following the move, Delphine apparently had the gall to want to return back to New Orleans, but her family convinced her to stay in Paris, likely knowing that she would be lynched upon arrival, um, which is a nice family because that's more than she would get from me, even if I were her son. Yeah. But, uh... 
Delphine received no punishment for her crimes against her slaves, and she lived a relatively long life until her supposed death at the age of 62. And that, undoubtedly, is what's truly unfortunate. And I bet no one stirred her brains after she died either. Oh, let's go do it now. I think I can. What, we can what, find her. <laughs> what, a callous, what a callous human being. That's ridiculous. So, so she managed to actually escape to Paris, and that's a crazy, that's a very long journey. I mean, mm. like, what would have that been? I mean, I'm trying to think of what that would have been like sailing wise back then, but that journey must have taken something in the realms of at least a month, if not more, like back then. Oh, like, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I guess we discussed a bit of this on our, um, uh, Morgan. Captain Morgan yes. episodes, yeah, I suppose. But I mean, yeah, you can imagine it was taking forever, but yeah. she had the ties to France already. Um, yes. Although she was born in the um, in the uh, Spanish part of it, and her family was Irish, so I don't really know why she went to France. But is what it is. Maybe she had um, croissants. Uh, yeah, yeah. Croissants and coffee. It's worth it. <laughs> yeah, croissants and coffee. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but that is um. Yeah, that's that's crazy. And like, but her, for instance, like, so her, were her kids trying to prevent her from going back? And yeah, family. the family. Yeah, the family, including her children, were trying to prevent her from going back. And I mean, I suppose it's just a thing of this is my mother. And yeah. I, I don't want her to die, but I don't want her to do bad things. But it's also like, fuck Too me, late. man. Yeah, you. she supposedly, after the home was destroyed, the well was dug up and the surrounding areas were dug up and there was hundreds of bodies found of slaves. Uh, supposedly. Oh, which also calls back to her second husband, Blanc, Jean Blanc, the fact that he had uh, facilitated the sale and... Um, of 335 slaves. Oh, right. Wow. Oh, my God. So do you reckon, like, so you, you are you kind of drawing the conclusion that, like, the slaves that we never, re- although we know that he traded slaves, there was never any, like, physical evidence of it. Do you think that they were just killing them? See, I don't know. I, I don't want to say yes and no to that. I mean, obviously, Jean Blanc died. But if they found hundreds, that's under the property. Oh. Yeah, well, and that's what also supported the idea because when they dug up the well, they said they found um, among the remains, they found a child's remains. So that's one of the ideas of why they think that they she just disposed of Leah's body from the previous story of the one the girl that fell to her death. They think that she just threw her in the well. I don't know, man. Um, I think if you were to piece it all together, it seems like it's convenient to say that the uh, grotesque medical type things seem to have come about when she married LaLaurie. Yeah. Um, the mistreatment of slaves, what it seems to me is that could have started quite early, definitely mm. when she married Jean Blanc. And she had, had already learned to develop an outward appearance of being kind to her slaves. Um, mm. But if she were smart, here's I'm going to go into depth on this. I'm going to go into depth on this. Lay it on me. So if she were smart... She would make sure that they did not have an outward appearance of any sort of malnourishment or any sort of injury. She would be, it would not be obvious that she was mistreating her slaves. So what I would think is that she, as a smart woman, would likely have started out beating her slaves when she was married to Jean Blanc, knowing for a fact that she can't leave anything out in the open, so possibly doing the whipping and whipping their backs and parts of their body that would be covered up. And it wouldn't be seen. Mm. So she would do that for the longest time. Then after she left, or after Jean Blanc died, and she got with Lori, this beating continued. But maybe she got complacent with her mistreatment of the slaves. 
And that's why they started to show an appearance of mistreatment, like the gauntness, malnourishment, that sort of thing. But it wasn't obvious that they were being beaten. Yeah. So possibly she had done this beating for so long that she just got complacent with the idea of being able to beat her slaves and nobody doing anything about it. And then possibly Lelori came in and they just had an idea to kick it up a notch. Who knows? Don't that's really crazy. know. But that seems likely to me that she it didn't start with her beating her slaves right when she got with Lelori. It started from a long time ago. Yeah. And then it developed. And it seems like, I mean, obviously, they, they talk about it with serial killers all the time where I forgot who it was, Ted Bundy maybe, where he talks about he, he forgot the wrench or something like that. Or he, he got so complacent, he was like, oh, damn it, I forgot my the tool I'm going to kill him with. Oh, darn it. It becomes so casual. Yeah. And like, oh, darn <laughs> and that's when you make mistakes, isn't it? So maybe that's what happened. Because, I mean, obviously, they nobody knew that she was beating her slaves. They just thought they were in a bad position or that they were in um, – they looked malnourished. They looked like they were being mistreated. But they didn't necessarily know that she was beating the fuck out of them yeah. in a hidden room. So we don't know. Oh, that is, this like story to me like has all the makings of like a, like a, like a, like a horror film to be. Yeah, maybe absolutely. Me. I'm not. I'm not a horror film guy. <laughs> really not. But like listening to that, like that room in particular. Ugh, that's yeah. That's what you can shit. call it. The room. The, the, there is already a film called The Room. I've There's not watched. There's plenty it. of films with the same name. You can call it The Room Delphine. <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard of The Room? This legendary Tommy Wiseau film. Oh yeah. No. Fuck that film. Come on, man. <laughs> No, I've, I've not watched it, but of course, there's even a film about the making of it. I, I, I do really want to see it, actually. <laughs> yeah, it was the um, what is it called the 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 something artist, the um, disaster artist, disaster artist. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> I was just yeah. I, I, I think I watched like some analyses of it, and I've not yeah. even seen the film. But they were like, they were like, there's just such a disconnect. Have you not seen it yet? No, I do. Before we we go into this, I'll just say that is the story of Delphine Lalaurie. If you guys want to stick around and hear us talk about <laughs> the room, feel free. But that is the story of Delphine Lalaurie, the serial killer from New Orleans. Um, I have seen, I've not seen all of it, but I saw there's one particular scene in the room because yeah. the writing makes no fucking sense. And there's yeah. one particular girl in it, this old lady, and Tommy. Uh, Wusso, I think his name, right? Wusso yeah, was I, I, that's how I've heard it said. Yeah. yeah, he's speaking to this lady, and then out of nowhere, she just goes, "I have cancer," and then that's it. <laughs> oh but like, but like, they, they're talking about something completely different, and yeah. then she just says, "I have cancer," and then it's never brought up again. <laughs> People said like, it's just like it's. But, like, we've got a weird fascination, haven't we? We were like, uh, for a long time, there was like a fascination, especially over here. I don't know if it was as big in the States, but like, um, uh, like dreadful, like intentionally bad horror films. Like, there was, I don't know, there was like a real big period for like seven years or something where like every, like there was just continuously, like purposely shit horror films brought out. Yeah. But we like, like, you know, Shark, like, I'm, I'm not going to put it in maybe with a horror, but you know, like Sharknado and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, intentionally um, very bad. Yeah. I'm, yeah. But yeah, the room, it's, it's like everyone else, everyone said it's like, it's something else entirely. I do need to watch it. Because it's not, in, it's not intentionally bad. It's just bad. He just didn't know what the fuck he was doing. Um, he yeah. claims now that it was a, you know, it was him being yeah. legitimate. It's not. Yeah. It's very bad. He's... <laughs> I'll fucking kill her. I'll fucking kill her. Oh, hi, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> Just, <laughs> it's so um, yeah. bad. 
I've just said that there's just like a big, a real big disconnection with any actual realistic human interaction. Yeah. <laughs> or something like that was something I read. Anyway, yeah. bonkers. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to this story of Delphine LaLaurie and The Room by Tommy Rousseau. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think, thank you guys for listening. I know this, this episode's a bit, I think it's a bit, it's going to end up a bit shorter than most of our other episodes, but that's because um, I'm putting a lot of effort into next week's topic. You're going to be, interested maybe or you're just going to stop following our podcast that's fine if you do but next week we will be discussing i'm not going to tell you who but we we will be discussing vikings oh i'm super excited because i mean obviously we have we have quite a few different topics we go on we go on pirates we go on um a lot of things actually we cover racism and that sort of thing as well but uh serial killers um a lot of cool things in history but now we're going to open up a whole new area into vikings which i'm really excited about so definitely come back next week for our first uh i don't know if it'll be a two-parter yet um depends on the amount of research it's been it's been a bit so far but we'll see i might be able to get into one episode but uh come back next week for some vikings um i want to thank sam for coming back man thank you Thank you. It's been wicked to be back. And just for anyone who's uh, tuning in for the first time today, definitely go back and check and uh, pretty check out all the old episodes. But I have to say, as a particular favourite, which had me dying whilst I was washing my dishes, was the uh, was the Great Emu War. Um, <laughs> and possibly, uh, honestly, it's unbelievably funny. Uh, Greg, <laughs> Greg, some of Greg's responses probably made me laugh. And I would like to state. The funniest line of the podcast so far to me was, yeah, Greg and I are super, super white. I can't tell you much about that, but I can tell you a lot about John Mayer. I legitimately <laughs> just went to pieces. That line, <laughs> dude, that line ended me. <laughs> no, it was the most fantastically like white <laughs> response ever. I could tell you, man. I'm telling you. It's like, I, I know it's super bad. I didn't know that NWA had did. Oh, yes. Straight out of yeah. Oh, a great record, by the way. Like, great, yeah. great, really great album. Really, yeah, awesome I wouldn't album. know, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't know. There's an album to go and listen to, like, it's, yeah. it's brilliant. But, um, that, yeah, that answer was, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway, great emu war. That, that was really, really funny. Oh, thanks, man. Really yeah, insane. definitely go, go back and listen to our back catalog. We're, we're yep. building up right now. We're coming up on our 20th episode now, so it's really cool. Some people will notice wow. that I renumbered the um episodes. It's because we're not really going to do mini-sodes anymore. Those are kind of, I mean, they're shorter episodes, but at the end of the day, they're still an episode. So I think for now, I'm going to keep them as main episodes and go back and listen to all of them if you want. I'm not going to tell you which one's a mini-sode. So that I've, I've noticed the metrics, you fuckers. I know that you don't listen to mini-sodes as, you, as many, much as you do uh, main episodes, oh, really? but you're missing out. Go listen to the Yamaguchi episode, the Tatsumo oh, uh, It's so such an interesting story. Oh, dude. That's such an interesting episode. That yeah, that, uh, the Atomic Man was that one. Yeah, the Atomic Man. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, listeners, go check that one out. That was great. Oh, was such a cool favorite. story, man. And that guy is—he was absolutely incredible, especially with the yeah. fact that the—I um, think it might be today—is um, the—is um, the Nagasaki anniversary, I believe, for oh, the bombing really? of Nagasaki. Yeah, and I think it's seventy-five okay. years. A um, few days ago was the Hiroshima um anniversary so go back and check those out there's i mean he uh, to uh to to yamaguchi i believe it is um absolutely incredible guy such an insane story um real insane yeah. story yeah thank really you guys so much good. i wanted to say really quick um i know that i don't post on social media as much i just it, i said it previously but it's just a draining force on my life and i i feel like i'm just 
Uh, I'm probably looking gaunt and malnourished just because of social media. I, I can't keep it up. But um, I know some. I know some people have already done so. But if you if you can and you want to hear all of the cool stuff and the um, interesting things and that sort of thing, um, and you want to hear all of the specific announcements, go to our website. Scroll down to the on the homepage. Scroll down to the bottom and just put in your email for the subscription uh, for the subscribe button. The option to join our uh, newsletter type thing. It's not really Ayo. a newsletter. We're not going to send you spam or anything like that. But we will send you, I don't know, discounts on merch. We'll also tell you the new episodes. We'll also tell you what's coming up. Things that you can get involved with the show. That sort of thing. Definitely do that. I would much rather you do that than go on social media. We can take the power away from Mark Zuckerberg and put it in our hands, you know, and, and, and fuck that. Just sign up to our <laughs> newsletter, man. It's honestly, I know some people have already done it. Thank you so much for everybody that has, I'm going to start doing the updates on those soon. Um, but please, please do that. Um, thank you so much for the listeners. We're up to a, quite a few amount of streams, downloads and all that kind of stuff. Um, if you, I mean, God, thank you for sharing it to everybody. That's really cool. Just seeing the streams go up every single day. It's nuts. Um, I mean, we're close to hitting uh, one of my targets, which is good. I won't tell you what the target is, but uh, mm. yeah, we're close. Very, very You'll close. You'll not want to hit it because you'll open like, the next episode with it. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like, Fuck yeah, woo! We got this many and streams. hopefully he'll lead with a big, big discount code, which you can uh, send over to Sammy Bizzle over here. Yeah, we might do. <laughs> might do. Might do. Um, and also, one more thing I wanted to say. Uh, I want to do an extra episode, which will be out along with our main episodes for the week. I want to do an extra episode that's a Q&A. So I would hey. like to do a Q&A with the listeners. Um, if you guys want to ask me, Greg, or Sam a question, that would be really cool. Because I think, actually, if we do it, I'll have both Greg and Sam on, and we can all three answer your questions at the same time, which I think I would be really 18. fun. Yeah. Meet 18. That's going to be fun. That would be really fun. I think that would be awesome. So if you guys want to ask us any questions, doesn't matter. It can be the most ridiculous questions you want. Feel free to do that. Um, you can do it on our social media, but I prefer you to do it at info at unfortunatehistory.com. Just send us an email and say, this is my question. I want to do this. And also in your question, if you have a business or a friend or something like that, you want to shout out, GoFundMe pages and all that crap. Put that in there, and we'll shout that out with your question as well. So feel free to do that. Just go do Ooh. that now. Um, otherwise, if you want to follow the show, like I said, subscribe to our newsletter on our website, just unfortunatehistory.com, down at the bottom of the homepage. If you want to follow me, Google Cody Pennington. You can find me anywhere. You can find my website. Uh, Sam, do you want to shout anything out? Do you have anything else to shout out? Musicians who are struggling at the moment, keep hope. Gigs yeah. will return one day. That's all we're going to say. We had a nice, we had a big conversation about that at the moment and how we're, how we're hustling. But yeah, yeah. keep your chin up. You know up. what? Um, uh, uh, start a podcast. Start a podcast. <laughs> like <laughs> everyone else. <laughs> yeah, that's my only. That's my only. Uh, that's my Ooh, only. Musician. <laughs> yeah, that's that just just start a podcast. That's that's all you can do. Just do it. Yeah. Oh, and you know what? If you start a podcast, we might allow you to be a part of our network, which we're developing right now. Hey, yeah, look at that. Well, thank you guys so much for listening, but unfortunately, we gotta go. So stay unfortunate. Stay unfortunate, everyone. Take care. Bye, bye, bye.